Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up? What is up, everybody? It's your morning drive to work. You've got a lot of stuff to do. You've got a lot of things on that to-do list. you got to check off the boxes, you know what I mean? you got to get it going. Why? Because we're monkeys! We need to get stuff done, right? But we also, we don't just, like, need to work for us. We need to work because we need that work to get done, right? And now when you're an entrepreneur, it's a way of like taking on more work, committing to getting more done because the results down the line are beneficial to you. They make your life better in some small and meaningful way. That's really what a lot of what entrepreneurship feels like to me after I've been doing it now for a long time. It's like, okay, what do I want to be better when I grow up? <laughs> what can I put into place now so that it is better when I grow up, right? And so it's it's like different. It's not like entrepreneurship. You know, classic entrepreneurship. Corbett, what is classic entrepreneurship? Like classic entrepreneurship is like taking a dollar and making two, isn't it? Yeah. I guess so. Or sleeping under your desk every night until <laughs> something works out. That's mm. like that's like a hope and a dream. Like, oh no, everybody's going to find out I'm a fraud if I don't completely burn the candle at both ends and make this work out somehow miraculously. Right? Like, universe, help me out here. There's this thing in entrepreneurship where you're like, you know, you're on Shark Tank and you're serious and you know about all of the things and like you've got a suit. Do you remember, there was a, a UK version of Shark Tank. Does anybody remember what it was called? It was like the, it was called like the was Lion's called Den. Shark Tank. <laughs> you son of a bitch. It was called Shark Tank. It was called like the Lion's Den or like the Dragon's Cave or something like like Lair. There was ah, uh, it's the Dragon's Lair. Okay, yeah. the Dragon's Lair. All right, and uh, and and I love I love calling attention to that because so many Americans haven't heard of it, but it was really big in the UK. And it was the same kind of thing where we're looking at businesses and we're sizing them up and we're seeing what has legs and what doesn't. We're yada yada yada. Well, what we talk about on this show is a little bit of a different kind of entrepreneurship. It's more akin to what I was talking about earlier when it's like, hey, what do I want my future to be like? What do I want my my life to feel like? It would be good if I wasn't like constantly stressed about the emails that are pouring into my inbox from people who have expectations about me that I haven't quite manicured to the degree that I wish I would have so that I would have less expectations on me. Right. That's what I, that's that's welcome to my head right there. It's just like I don't want I'm just like I'm sick of letting people down. I'm just like, dang it. I just don't want to let anybody else down. Like I let down my dad I let down my, and I don't want to have all those expectations on me. Right. And so for me, a lot of business looks like how do I become more independent? How do I get to do more of what I want to do, which is to say, how do I create my own audience and how do I Foster my relationship with them such that I don't necessarily need other people out there to like to be my gatekeeper. Like, oh, we'll let you talk to people if you pay us money. That's what like Facebook and Instagram does, right? They go, you can get out in front of people if you pay money. And I'm like, how about this? Let me get out in front of people and not pay money. How about that? <laughs> Let's do that. That sounds even better, right? But it's hard to do that. You have to create interactions with a real person on the other side of the internet such that they come to know, like, and trust you enough to take a chance at that one interaction that then accrues greater density 
right? It literally gets heavier. Like think of, imagine like a snowball. That interaction leads to another interaction and it grows. The snowball grows. And that interaction leads to another interaction. Little do they know it that over time they've developed a kind of, a, of an affinity for you, a relationship with you, with your products, with something like that, right? Now, that might sound very like, you know, personal businessy, like I'm a personal brand guy, which I have to admit, that's my bias. I'm Chase Reeves. It's like, <laughs> that's like what I'm doing in life is just trying to get people to like Chase Reeves. <laughs> but the, the same goes for when you have a, you know, a sneaker made out of merino wool that you don't have to wear socks with, right? When you have a product, when you have a, a, a paperless office solution just for small real estate teams. Okay. It's just a product. And there's a lot of interactions that people are going to have both before purchasing that product and after purchasing that product with you. And so one of the big questions that arises for us indie entrepreneurs is what are the interactions we should definitely be trying to have with people on the other side of the computer monitor so that we can, we can as regularly as possible, be pulling people into this relationship with us. Because over time, the relationship is monetizable. They get what they want. We get what we want out of it, right? That's, what we, that's what, how I think of business. And today on the show, we're talking about one of those interactions that in the world of social media, it's just really easy to forget about. And in the world of online entrepreneurship, it's real easy to have just, just honestly, just a crappy mindset about. <laughs> what we're talking about today is we're talking about email. And we're specifically talking about a welcome email series and the copywriting that's needed for you to create engaging sorts of moments, those interactions that will grow like a snowball with real people on the internet as they encounter you both in, in, on your website and outside in the world, whether they're, they're seeing some sponsored post of yours on Instagram or on Facebook, whether someone's tweeting a quote from you or telling their story about using your product or something like that. How do you go from, from those real-world, tangible, happening-right-now things to the person who saw that is now somehow in a relationship with you where, there's, where they know, like, and trust you? All right, six minutes and fifty-two seconds. How'd I do, Corbett? Did I set us up pretty well? You did. We're we're still um, we're we're seven minutes in. We haven't introduced our guest, but you did paint a lovely picture for today's show. <laughs> you and didn't the thing do the is, one you know what it's supposed to do, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what it says though. It just says nothing's changed around here. <laughs> That's Barry My name's Brooks, Barry Brooks. Welcome back to the Fizzle Show. It's great to be here today. Woo! I'm just gonna butt on in and take yes! my place. Yes. That is Barrett Brooks. Barrett is back from from his long tour of duty. Uh, we've we've ta- we've taken him for a brief second away from the job of like keeping ConvertKit going, of being the a piece of glue there that ties one of one of the uh, the fastest growing internet companies I've been near. Barrett, how are things going over at ConvertKit? Can you give us a little like uh, uh, I don't know a little update? Uh, hey, things are going well, you guys. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how long it's been. Almost three years now. Almost exactly three years. I actually still have on my calendar my fizzleversary from the day that I started working with you all. <laughs> totally. And I think that was five, six years ago. It was either five or six years ago. Oh, wow. So it's been a while uh, since I've been around. However, things are going well. ConvertKit uh, continues to grow. 
working with cool creators, done a bunch of cool projects over there that maybe we can talk more about on another episode when we're not talking about email. Yeah. Um, but hey, email's bigger than ever. The Wall Street Journal. Do you know what the Wall Street Journal is? I bet I, it's possible people who listen to this podcast do not ever see a copy of the Wall Street Journal. However, it's a well-respected publication. This year wrote an article at the beginning of the year saying email is bigger than ever, which I found completely ironic in 2019. Really? Wow. Um, but it's true because as people uh, get off of Facebook, delete their accounts, get tired of Twitter and all the tech bros talking about stuff that doesn't matter, get tired of <laughs> politics on... Is Twitter just of, tech bros? Is it just tech bros at this point, Barrett? It's not. It's not. But I think it has a reputation for that and the VCs and all of the politicization of everything. People are does, tired of social media. It does seem very tech bro. Whenever I go on, I'm like, oh no, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe, maybe I'm just like attracting all of this tech bro stuff <laughs> into my vortex. But it 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 does feel like people um like I, I know you mentioned sort of offhand this idea of, of removing Facebook accounts and Twitter and stuff like that. Um, I, I definitely have seen this be like be on the rise. And then I've also seen people come back and go like, all right, I'm doing it differently. But I noticed that sales for everything I sell went down when I went off of, <laughs> when I went off hmm. of Twitter. Hmm. My friend Science Mike on the Liturgist podcast, he left uh, Instagram because it was owned by Facebook and all this stuff. And then, and then within like probably four weeks, he had, he had come back. Cause he was like, honestly, my management team were looking at it. like it, it, it really affected our numbers. So I'm just going to engage with it differently. It's, it's interesting. But as you, you literally bring up this thing that I've seen just a little bit and I think it might be growing like the, 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 the feeling of like social media might not be like the most healthy thing for us. And so I think it's fascinating that you bring up that email. Is, is larger than it's ever than it's ever been. Is it larger than it, than it's ever been? It is. It is. It's more people more people using it than ever. And like you know, I think the thing is that when something goes away, everyone falls back on email. It's not that email is going to take over everything. I think it's just that when you don't have another default for yeah. now, you default back to email because yeah. what else are you going to do? Yeah. You're not going to text message with your favorite YouTuber, your favorite uh, you know creator on the web. So you got to have some way to interact with them. Yeah, in the well, absence and, of social, and you know, let's just think about email for a second. It was invented, I don't know, thirty years ago or something, maybe maybe a little more actually, and it was done so altruistically, right? It was uh, nerds in mm. a computer lab mm -hmm. figuring out ways to communicate with one another, not thinking about how do we build this ecosystem that we can yeah. monetize. Yeah. And so people talk a lot about. Uh, pining after some sort of a decentralized social network, but we have one already, right? Yeah, yeah, Email. Yeah. It, it's always going to be there because it is not controlled by anyone. Yeah. It's just a, a protocol that we all decided to use, and it's a magical thing. Yeah. And even if you talk about millennials and others, you know, moving away from email sometimes because these platforms become so big, well, all of those platforms require you to have an email to sign up. So people have email addresses and as they get older and, and into the workforce and so on, they usually end up using email a lot more because it's mm. still popular inside of businesses. Yeah. So this is a really big point. So Corbett, like, like tie that point in to, to today. Why are we talking about, about email to indie entrepreneurs who like have a business idea or have a business on the ground, or maybe they're not getting enough sales and want to increase their sales, or they just want to optimize for whatever, uh, like, you know what, like a lot of online business stuff seems like I, I set something up 
that's going to be good for my business. And some of those things that I set up, like I set up years ago and they're still mm-hmm. working. Do you know what I mean? The kind yeah. of do it once and it's, and it becomes really functional for your business. Like it, it ends up, it ends up making such an impact on the business. Email seems like a prime candidate for that kind of stuff. What do you think, Corb? Well, I mean, obviously, like when we talk about creating products, hopefully uh, we are creating products that we make once and sell many, many times. And that's just an amazing optimization where we do work once and we get paid for it over and over again. We can do the same thing with marketing if we can automate that marketing, right? So with email, we have ways of writing messages so that everyone who signs up for our email list will get that same series of messages. That's what's called automation. And a welcome series is just one kind of automation, but it's an important one because it's the first series that everyone who signs up for your email list will get. So it really establishes that relationship. And we wanted to have uh, Barrett on today being an expert from one of the fastest growing email services out there to talk about what trends and patterns and things that we've seen in the kinds of email welcome series that are working today, if anything Mm. is different from what it used to be, and just kind of what the fundamentals are. Because uh, we did a workshop on this, and and maybe Aiden can speak to this, but we did a workshop on this last week inside of Fizzle, and I think there were some things that we left maybe uncovered that we still want to hash out today. Mm. I like this. Now, so you guys, and and did you, you turned that into a course, you turned yep. the the crafter ultimate welcome email series into a course. That's interesting. I love this. So, so, uh, so, like, what what do we get, Corbett? After we like what or Barrett? What, what's can someone define for me what an, a welcome series is, Barrett? Maybe I'll pitch this to you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we got to take a step back before we even get to that and think about how someone ends up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically on the web, it's going to be search for most people. It's going to be the number one way someone ends up on your site and on your email list. And, uh, you know, you talk about conversion rates and all of the nerdy stuff some people can get into when it comes to marketing on the web. And the idea is that someone searches for something. They have a, a felt pain or uh, uh, hemorrhoids, as Chase used to say, mm-hmm. and they need to figure out how to solve for it. That was a throwback for all you people. Who well, and the reason why the reason why we always talked about that is because in the classic classic copywriting like manuals, they always use they always use medical conditions because medical conditions are this great example of an urgent and important sort of need in the person's life, right? It's like, hey, my anus is on fire. <laughs> okay, cannot find a comfortable place to sit or lie down. Quick question, how do I alleviate this and <laughs> like can it happen right now? Right? So here's this great example of this need, this burning desire. <laughs> that they, sorry. Burning desire came out before I even realized what was happening. This burning <laughs> desire to know <laughs> to 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 fix something, to solve some problems. So this is tying in exactly with with what you're saying, Barrett. It's like the first thing comes first. It's their it's not only their need, it's also it's almost like it's more than their need, it's their awareness of their need in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then they take that somewhere. Now I do a lot of like browsing and social. Like I know I, a lot of people on YouTube are constantly commenting on, on some of my bag videos that are like, dude, I saw this bag in my, 
like in my Insta feed for like seven months. And then I finally like started searching about it and, and found you. So that's a situation in which they didn't go searching for it at all. That's just like advertising is working and they're seeing it come up in their stream. And then eventually they do a search and, and uh, maybe even for that particular bag because they, 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 I don't know, because they had some experience with that one particular product. So depending on what businesses are out there, there can be a wide range of where these potential customers are when they, when like what got them to find your site. Do you think Barrett? Yeah, absolutely. And and fun fact, YouTube is the number two biggest search engine on the planet right wow. behind regular Google. Uh, so yep. yeah. And owned by, by Google, obviously. But um, so my point being, they find you because they have something they want or need. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they find you, they don't care about you. They still only care about them. And that will largely be true over a long period of time, unless you can do something to change that and make it more personal and build that personal connection that you came into this with, Chase. I thought it actually, you gave a good intro, you know, looking back on it, you gave us seven minutes, but <laughs> it, was, it introduced the topic well, because at the end of the day, email, social, YouTube, whatever you're working on, the point is to get someone to like you beyond just the piece of content that you created that they found you on. So they find a piece of content, maybe they read a couple of your things, watch a couple of your things, listen to a couple of your things, and then they decide, you know, I think I want to keep hearing from this person. And sometimes you've incentivized them to keep listening to you because you're going to give them something, a download, an ebook, a, a audio file, or whatever. And that's uh, they're going to give you their email address in exchange for that. So let's just assume that's kind of the default path we're working from for how someone ends up getting emails from you. The thing about giving someone something in exchange for their email address is they're going to give you their email and then their default response is going to be, now I got to get out of here because I don't want too many emails in my inbox. Yeah. So the job of a welcome series is not to tell your whole life story. It's not to say every word that you wish you could say to uh, someone. It's how do you get a person to go from caring about the one thing you promised them, the one pain they had when they came in to caring about you on an ongoing basis and your perspective on the thing that they came to you for. Mm, mm. That is the overarching objective. I so think say, can you say that again? Can you say that one more time? This is the objective of a welcome series. You're trying to take someone from caring about their one problem that they came to you to solve or their one opportunity that they came to you to, to take advantage of uh, into caring about your perspective on an ongoing basis on that thing, on that topic, mm-hmm. on that area of interest, whatever it might be. So it goes from the, their problem to them caring about your voice about that problem. Okay, so that immediately makes me think, I love the way you just you just make a distinction between from their one problem to your, you said perspective on that issue or topic or, or problem. And what that immediately makes me think of is um, I have been doing this for longer than you. I can shave off, you know, the time it takes for you to, to, to get the results you want about this thing. It's almost like, like uh, I become a teacher. I become a mentor. I become someone you, you have to trust in order to, to listen to. I guess that's how listening actually works is you want to only listen to people that you actually trust that you're going to, you're going to get something out of it. And as like, you know, I don't know, I could go a lot of different ways with that because basically the same thing happens with spiritual teachers. They're working on the same exact concept of, can I get you to trust me and think that I have something you need? Right. And the, and there's like a movement, an anti guru movement where because like built into the spiritual teacher is the sense that like I need you to think you don't already have everything you need. 
Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I need yeah. you to to to. And this, so there's this this kind of tomfoolery, this sort of sleight of hand. Maybe a little magician never reveals the secrets that the that the spiritual teacher knows. That also a good marketer knows, right? And you can use these powers for good or for evil. Is what I've discovered in the world. But I love that you distinguish um, th- their problem from your perspective. And I think that is something that, like, it's a seed I want to go deep down into the soil of the hearts of the listeners out there. Because you, when you have something that you, when you actually have a perspective on something that can be valuable for someone else, it can be insanely valuable to them. It really can be valuable to them. And you can build a whole sustainable business out of it. But when you don't have an actual perspective <laughs> that that is informed and educated and like may, maybe you don't maybe you you don't really have that thing and you wish you had that perspective to give them. And your job right now is actually to come up with to like to to earn that perspective over time. So I just want to call that out that depending where people are. Do you, do you have anything to say about that, Barrett? Uh, a couple things. Um, one is I wrote an article a long time ago on the Sparkline uh, called "Expertise: Why You Need It and How to Get It" or something like that. And it was all about this problem. It was didn't all about you, this problem. Didn't you write this, Barrett? I did, and it was all about uh, what happens when you want to be someone that other people respect, but you don't have any skills or expertise to share. So that's one thing. Go read that article. The other yeah. thing is uh, the kind of leading learner framework that Corbett's always talked about, being the person who's just a step ahead of everyone else. You don't have to be an expert necessarily. You just have to be a step far enough in advance of the people listening to you that you can share a little bit. Yeah. And so you can start from where you are for sure. Yeah. And there's different paths at this stuff, but yeah. that's one place to start, I think. Okay, this is awesome. All right, so if you're just tuning in, (laughs) and if we're on NPR somewhere, um, I love this idea of they are finding you because there's something they want or need. There's Specifically, we can get more specific with the language. I think there's a problem they're looking for a solution to, okay? There's a problem they're looking for a solution to, and then you have a goal to get them to be sort of to suckle at the teat of your wisdom, your perspective over time, because you don't just have one product to sell them. You probably have a lot of products to sell them. And this problem that they have is probably indicative of a greater systemic problem in their life, which you, well, yeah, which you actually have a vested in your company is about helping people get through the, the whole shebang of this, of this disease, not just this one, one little symptom. Right. And this is, I, I think this is, this is what a business is to me is it's, is it's a, it's a cluster of needs, you know, of like needs that already exist out in the world and, and they're felt needs and people, people have a, a thing they want to, to solve there and how we come at our email, um, how we think about like, cause you mentioned getting them just onto the list itself before we have this welcome series. And I, I love Barrett. I love, I'm constantly doing this with, with just friends who are all, you know, they're a little behind the times digitally. And I'm, it's, it's like the home page of the website. Like you story brand it, you 80, 20 copywriting sketch sheet it. You get the, like the gist of your entire sort of organization. And that fits really easily on the home page. And it has a really specific, you know, what, what uh, Don at story brands calls a, um, there's like a direct call to action, which is like hire me or, you know, buy my $2,000 course or whatever, buy the, the, the big thing. And then there's the transitional call to action, which is like get my four day um, 
you know, free course on, on how to, how to make your own salves for your hemorrhoids or something like that. Right. And, and the whole business is on that one page with a transitional action that is tasty and delicious and like, and like it's teed up, just like easy to get into and free. And then a, a, like an actual direct call to action where a credit card has to come out and like we're getting paid, which also is promoted through the welcome series in some, you know, intelligent way. But I, I guess the only thing I'm, I'm getting at from that is, is the way that, a cluster of needs or a specific need or a problem that someone needs solving can, when you're smart about it as a creator, you can kind of build this whole little ecosystem around that need where people are kind of, like the need is like a portal. I mean, this might be getting way too out of hand, but the need is like a portal and people are through that need constantly being transported like to your website miraculously somehow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you're the only one that's talking about X or Y or Z or right. or you're one of the things that's talking about that. And through that need, they're transported into your to the to the core of your website where you can, if you're a if you're, you know, a talented creator or just, you know, well informed, you can create the sort of ecosystem there where they can get their problem solved. They can start interacting with a personality that they 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 build a relationship with and through that relationship comes trust trust enough to buy either you know purchase y- y- time with you as a consultant or you know whatever it is that you're selling to them and it all comes through that need and and this welcome series I love couching this welcome series just in that greater scene Barrett I love the way that you did that you took us back to like they're probably searching they're probably searching to solve a problem and they, when they find you, they still don't care about you. They want to solve their problem. And then right. your job is to, is to say, I'm the one that's going to connect you to the solution of the problem. And they're like, yes, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> and until you've, you've gotten, the, gotten them to take some action that now you have the chance of being in relationship with them over time saying like, hey, did you get the butt thing solved? Because there's this other thing that that typically comes from, which is too much stress or right. some more holistic sort of, sort of thing. Barrett, am I hearing you right? Yeah. And to take it out of the medical, just so that we can have another reference point, it's like Luke Skywalker crash landing on Dagobah and there's Yoda and he doesn't care about Yoda to begin with because Yoda's weird. Dude, he, but, he really doesn't. Like, it, like, he really doesn't. When you watch that movie again, it's surprising, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Yoda takes him down a series of steps to becoming a Jedi. He doesn't say, hi, Luke Skywalker, you're going to be a Jedi. Let's begin. Yeah. Because that's weird. It would be like you yeah. saying, hi, Chase, welcome to my website. Buy my $2,000 thing. That's yeah. not how the world works. Yeah. So email's job is to build that relationship over time and uh, carve a path from they have a need that they know they have today. And underneath that is actually something else like you were just talking about, the stress mm-hmm. or the desire for meaning or the ultimate path to becoming a Jedi or whatever it is. And you're going to lead them there. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to happen along the way before someone's actually going to open up their wallet and give you money, which is newsflash. That is the point of a business. Someone has to give you money at some point. Yeah, I know. I love so this. This is, that part. this is great because now my, my head's reeling on the Star Wars thing. Because I think if I remember correctly, one of the first things Yoda does is he feeds him. I might be ro- wrong on that, but I mean, it's like, it's like, mm hungry you are and he feeds him this gross like gruel or whatever and you talk about like this little need this like hunger pang this this little thing but yoda knows that there's this massive huge story that luke has been sucked up into and he can't get away from no matter how he he can't get away from it no matter how hard he tries right he can't it's coming from he has to literally take on the empire 
right? And he won't do it single-handedly, but there'll be some points in which like nobody else is going to stand in for him. And so he needs all these tools and all this much more than just this food, right? Yeah. And it's what I'm hearing and, and the interesting kind of path that I like to look at it and, and Barrett, you, you were pretty articulate with the felt need thing. I like to view that as like the symptom. People usually are much more aware of their symptoms and the way that those hurt than the core issue. And so for me, this, this Luke Skywalker thing, this whole email welcome series idea um, is really, really predicated on the idea that they're coming to you with, with a pang of a symptom that you kind of have to like treat, even though you know that's not the actual solution. And you treat the symptom to earn the trust. And then the next email is kind of like, well, you know, so I, tr- I treated the symptom. You probably feel a little bit better. Your butt's probably doing all right now. Yeah. But the next step is here is, here's my perspective on what really the problem is. And here's a little bit more evidence about that. Here's some relatability. Identify with these kinds of inner dialogues. And, um, and once we kind of cross those bridges, we can start to, to pitch or expose my audience, uh, specifically with an agency or personal branding, um, with some of the ideas of like, this is what we believe the real solution is, and this is what we actually provide, and this is what we charge money for. So some of our symptom treatment is free. That's the stuff that we, we build the trust with that, that the people are actually searching for, mm-hmm. and we're very delicate. Um, and encouraging kind of the idea that, okay, that's the symptom. You feel better now, but, but here's what our solution is. Our solution costs some money. Mm. Um, but once you've got that solution, once you know the force, once you have made progress in your battle against the empire, then, uh, you really do start feeling really good about that. You start making real progress. And, and for, uh, for a brand and an audience, that's when real loyalty and real affinity starts to happen. Mm. So, so I think that's what's so cool about an email wel- welcome series is this microcosm of the whole arc of, of a business, of a yeah. product, of, of marketing and, and trying to create that loyalty. Um, and if you can do that in, inside of six emails, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're bringing up is, is making me think of, this is another thing that I see a lot in the, basically, you know, I, I'm, I'm a weirdo spiritual woo woo guy. And so I'm investigating a lot of stuff, but most of it I'm, I'm just playing with and I don't really like, I'm, I'm like, you know, (laughs) most of it, most of it, I'm just like, I'll listen to Terrence McKenna. I'm like, that's the only thing I know it's true is all this weird stuff. (laughs) But, but there, you see a lot of business. You see a lot of business based out of this spiritual, you know, the the whole self-help movement is massive. So I've just been studying it for a really long time. And one of the things that I've encountered over that is is basically there's a big difference between people who are going to try to get you to trust them by, you know, talking about themselves or or whatever. And the people who, who have a very clear way of showing how their work has impacted real people. Right. So it's like it's so simple when you actually have an effective business to go, hey, what are you struggling <laughs> like, like to, to be talking to someone and someone's like, dude, I just I got this hemorrhoids thing. And, and then you're able to just kind of say, <laughs> here's what I hear. OK. Oh, yeah. I have I have a handful of stories about that. Jessica, she had hemorrhoids. She did this, that and the other. And, and when we put her on X, Y and Z and here's a quote from Jessica. And then this guy heard this, this thing, which was actually underlying the hemorrhoids and and it turned into this more of a gut thing. And yet it or whatever it's it's this kind of way that i i just want to drop a little i don't know just a little bit of maldon sop, t- salt on top of this dish right now around and by the way some of the most effective ways for you to communicate what you do 
is by showing the results you've gotten other people. Okay, just remember that. Just remember, we'll probably come up later. But first, I want to switch gears. I want to switch gears, Corbett. I want you to tell us about our sponsor. And then I want you to kind of like connect us to what what are you hearing over here about this? Because we're we I think we were about to switch into gears about like going into actually putting together the um, the welcome series. We've talked about this need and we've talked about the ways in which we can we can kind of we kind of capitalize on that need. I don't know. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it. But first, tell us about uh, tell us about our sponsor today. Well, Chase, if you have a business or you know someone who does, <laughs> I love his you... voice when he does. <laughs> well, Chase, <laughs> keep going. Or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats, and some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, those are not so great. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even a 401k for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. Mm. But Gusto is. So, let them wear one of your mini hats and you have better things to do. <laughs> so listeners of The Fizzle Show can get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself over at gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. Love it. So um, thinking about where we're at, we've talked about the felt need, we've talked about the welcome series, and it's time to kind of connect the dots here, I think. So this is all well and good, right? Getting to the point where we need to convince someone that our perspective is worth listening to, as Barrett said. But it's not so easy in practice, right? Because it is a hard thing to get someone to trust you just using the words that you can type out into an email. How do you get someone to even care? How do you get someone to open that email? How do you bring them in and let them uh, give you two or three minutes so that you can start establishing that trust over a series of emails that you're going to send them. It's not all that easy. We all get hundreds of emails every day. So I think this is where uh, I'd love to hear from Barrett what is working in terms of email welcome series and maybe what's not. And then also a little bit about the role of copywriting, because I think this is a skill. We talked earlier about expertise. Barrett mentioned an article that he wrote that we'll include in the uh, show notes about deconstructing expertise, why you need it and how to get it. But I think copywriting is another one of those skills that you desperately need if mm -hmm. you're going to be an online business owner mm -hmm. and you plan to interact with people through words, because it's not just about vomiting out a bunch of stuff like, hey, I'm you know really important. Here's why you should listen to me. It's about crafting that message in a way that gets people's attention and gets them to take action. Mm. So I don't know, Barrett, if you're hearing anything in there to jump into. Yeah what's, yeah, yeah, what's working and what isn't an email welcome series? I think that's a really good question, Corb. Yeah, a couple of things to toss in the show notes for later, just uh, on resources, because we're not going to be able to teach you everything you need to know about copy in uh, whatever, 20 minutes. Um, Jonathan Fields, a long time ago, wrote a book called Career Renegade, I think. And I believe it was in the resources or appendix section of that book. He has a whole section of classic books on copywriting. 
Uh, and it's really good. I, I bought every one of those books and read them back in the day and it was fantastic for learning. And then if you're not a book person, but you like blogs and other things like that, Joanna Weeb has a site called Copy Hackers. Uh, it's fantastic. She's one of the best in the business when it comes to email copywriting and conversion copywriting. So two things to pay attention to there. Um, all right, let's talk about email copywriting. Number one, uh, what works is not that different from what's always worked when it comes to email. And uh, to, to understand what works, you have to understand the person reading the email. And you need to be hyper-focused on each element of an email and what its goal is. So the number one biggest challenge when you get an email subscriber, an email subscriber is not worth anything in and of itself. So when you see a little dot on your graph in your ConvertKit account or your email marketing account, they represent nothing unless they open your emails. And a person will not open your emails unless the headline, the subject line gets their attention and makes them want to open it. Your only goal of writing a, a subject line in an email is to get the person to open it. Now, here's the thing. You could go a lot of different directions to get someone to open your email and you could pull all of these tricks out of your hat. But the hard part is not just getting the open, it's getting an open in a way that relates to the content of the message. Because if you trick someone into opening something, here's a thousand dollars from a Nigerian prince, which these days people won't open, but for a long time they would. Uh, and then the content is something about, uh, you know, how to fly fish. It's irrelevant. And now you've thrown them off. So you've yeah. lost trust in that. So getting a person to open is the job of the subject line. And you have to do it in a way that relates to the message because everything is tied together here. Um, things that are working there. Questions. Questions work really well in a subject line. Anything that works for a blog post headline will work similarly well for a, an email subject line. The difference is that you've got less room in an email subject line than you do in a blog post headline or a YouTube um, video headline. So a question can work really well because it invites interest. It invites curiosity. Uh, okay, I, I hate little tips and tricks. So I'm going to give you one, not abuse it, and know that it is not a magic pill. <laughs> However, emojis work decently well for getting people to open emails because they stand out a little bit. And in some email clients, they actually show up and others, they don't. Just FYI. I can uh, sense the reluctance. <laughs> I know. I hate saying stuff like that because like, not everyone's going to go put an emoji and be like, I didn't get bigger open rates. What's wrong? It's like, well, yeah. what were the words next to the emoji? Well, and, oh, it was and just the, emojis. <laughs> and the, tr the trouble with tips and tricks is as soon as you let them out of the bag, the more they get used, the less effective they are, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's a big so it's deal a that some emoji, some some email clients, they, they don't display those emoji at all. Like it's just a big empty box sometimes. It's like it's, it can be quite... Yeah, those rectangles. Quite mm -hmm. ugly. Yeah. You know? exactly. People need to get new email clients if they're seeing boxes instead of emoji. Come on. <laughs> Which okay, you have complete more, control over, right? <laughs> more relevant would be... Uh, I think one of the best things you can do in one of the first emails, because the first email is the hardest. That's the one, you know, after they've gotten the download that you promised them, the first email is the one where they're actually taking a risk because now they're going from solving the pain that they had to paying attention to you and your perspective. And that first one, I think referencing their pain or that problem that they came to you for is hyper important. And you can do that in the subject line. You can do it in the body. Uh, but I think of things like anything with an ellipsis at the end is nice because it leads you into what's the content that they're going to give me based on this. Uh, so you want to become a fly fisherman, dot, 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 is a really great subject line. It recognizes why they came to you. If you're, this is a, 
uh, another throwback to the fly fishing example. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they come to you because they want to learn to fly fish. And most people have that ambition forever and ever. You're referencing that. You've already given them a free thing. And now you're saying, here's what you need to know next. But in so many words and without saying it on the dot. So you're inviting mm-hmm. intrigue and curiosity there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, subject lines, the only job is to get them to open the email and to keep reading. The body of an email, the only job of a body of an email let me just pause for a second. Everyone wants to know what their email template should look like. I have news for you. Your email template does not matter. And if you have HTML and CSS in your emails, it's going to make it go to spam way more often than not or into promotions and all of this shit. So if you have columns and CSS and a bunch of design in your emails, stop doing that. Words work. Uh, Justin Jackson, way back in the day, wrote a whole web page with just words on it. And it was very effective because the words are what people pay attention to. And it could not be more true anywhere else than in email. People open emails and they want to read something that looks like it came from a human. A thing that looks like a web page in an email sucks. Don't do that. So anyways, diatribe coming back to the point. (laughs) Your words in the email, the only job of that is to get the person to take an action. Classically, that meant going somewhere else outside of their inbox. Really, most of the time, your goal is to get them out of their inbox and onto your site, onto your YouTube channel, into your podcast, whatever. Uh, However, things are changing. Sometimes now people are educating only in their email inbox. And so your job is actually just to get them to read the thing that you sent them. Sometimes your goal is just to get a piece of information about that person. So you're just looking for an engagement within the email, not them to go somewhere else and do something else. So this is one of the things I want to get into that I think is really important and has changed a little bit. Personalization in email is easier than ever. It's easier than ever. Um, Fizzles had a download forever and ever, the 10 top 10 mistakes in online business or something like that. There are a million reasons why someone might download that thing. But we know the thing that it all relates back to is they want to start an online business. But the thing about that is there's a lot of different paths to starting an online business from reading about mistakes. There's different content channels. There's different business types. And in email today, you can ask a question in an email and say, hey, so you want to start an online business. You know about the mistakes now. Could you tell me one thing real quick? Are you starting a business with a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel? And they're just three links. Those three links can do anything, and we can come back to that in a minute. But here's the important part. If you get them to click on one of those options, now you can base everything else in the welcome series on what their specific use case is without a ton of extra work. So in a tool like ConvertKit, if they if they click YouTube, now you've got the same welcome sequence that's six emails long, but you can use that link click to tag that person in your account. And so now you know this person wants to be a YouTuber. And in every email from then on, let's say you write the next one and the next one is about uh, developing a content strategy. You could add the same piece of content that is how to develop your year-long content strategy, but it could relate back to their content channel by using, um, it's basically just called custom content within an email where you say, if they have this tag, then use this paragraph. If they have that tag, then use this paragraph. If they have that third tag, use this paragraph. So you could say, so you want to be a blogger. The thing about blogging is that writing is more popular than ever and everyone thinks they're a good writer. You've got to get specific about what's unique about your voice if you want to be a writer. And then you go into the rest of the email about content strategy and why that matters. That's the same for everyone. But those two little sentences make it seem like it's made specifically for them. 
So that's a lot at one time. But my point being, one of the things that you can get from an initial email is engagement right up front. Mm. So you need to decide what's your goal of the copy. Is it to get engagement? Is it to send them somewhere else? Or is it just to get them to read the body of the email? And that matters a lot for what kind of content you put in there. Let me stop you there because there's something that I saw at one point that was uh, really helpful for me in thinking about this personalization you said personalization and email is easier than ever. And with a, with ConvertKit, with uh, by the way, Corbett, if you want to try out ConvertKit, do we have like a link from Fizzle to them? Do they get any yeah, discount or something? Yeah, you can go to convertkit.com slash Fizzle and get a free trial of ConvertKit. Okay, cool. All right, so convertkit.com slash Fizzle if you want to try this out. Because this is one of the, this is basically the best play, best way I've seen this in, put together so far. I haven't played with every email thing. And this was even, this is something that ConvertKit did basically from the start. I remember looking at some videos that Pat Flynn made a long time ago. I don't even know if he was promoting them. I just found them. And, uh, and it was giving me some, some like screen flow, some actual recorded screen stuff of his, uh, convert kit account at the time. And I would, <laughs> would freeze frame and I would like zoom in <laughs> and see exactly what he was tagging with what. And one of the little tricks I found was, um, think about creating, uh, interest lists with your tags. So interest, uh, interest dash podcasting interest dash uh you know <laughs> salves i don't know i didn't want to say a bad <laughs> word again <laughs> body part word again but like interest slash <laughs> like what whatever it is like what what what's an example i cannot think of an example right now i'm gonna go with myself like for me my business there's a big difference between people who are looking for daily carry bags and people who are looking for travel bags all right and then people who are looking for career slash work office bags like these are three really big big funnels that I have going on my site. I don't think of them in terms of funnels. It's just one page, basically. But if I sent someone an email and I linked to travel bags and to, uh, d- you know, nice office slash work bags and to, uh, to w- the daily carry bags, right? What I could do in ConvertKit and others is I could just, each one of those links I can associate with, I can say, hey, if they click this link, I want you to tag their account with interest travel or interest travel bag. Uh, or if they click the work office bag, interest work office bag or something like that, right? Now what I can do is over the course of you know six months, my email, my email automation thing is just flowing and doing its thing. I can go in, let's say I partnered with a company that just made and was releasing on Kickstarter a brand new work office bag. Obviously, I'll probably release that to everybody, but let's say I didn't want to release that out to everybody. I just wanted to tap those people who have clearly sort of identified themselves as having an interest in a particular subject matter, like work office bags. Well, now I can just send an email to those people with with that interest, right? So this is the way your one big email list is able to be segmented down automatically, like auto, literally automagically by you. Can just, I, yeah, jump in. Can I jump in here? Uh, if you're just getting started and this is like, you're like, hold on, wait a second. We were talking about welcome series and now we're talking about this like crazy customization and tagging and stuff. Mm. And if, if you're thinking that you need to go down that path, right. An easier solution for you might be just to focus on one of those things to begin yeah, with. Yeah. Just focus on the travel bag yeah. and and skip the office bags for now. And then eventually as your business grows, you can start supporting 
more than one type of customer. And that's where you can get more sophisticated with customization. But I don't want people to think that they have to get into yeah. customization just to make their welcome series work. It's probably easier just to niche down and focus on one thing. Yeah, well said, well said. And, 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 and to sort of put the period at the end of that, people everywhere, however they encounter your stuff, will notice when you are focused. Mm. They will notice when you are focused and when you are clear about who you're helping and with what problem, right? And so the more work you do to distill yourself, to refine yourself down to that very specific and like, no, this is what I'm going after because you know it's real. Now, that's different from like, I know I'm supposed to niche down and then make it really, really simple. And yet it is. So it's like, it's, it's not, doesn't just mean make it really simple. It means we have to find that legitimate, swear to God, this need is so real. I could ride this need for the probably the rest of my life just creating products around this one need, right? right. You want to find that need and get really specific. Um, and I have a, uh, I, I kind of have the, the three, the three pill prescription, um, for, for this, I believe. Um, and it's all, it's all from fizzle surprise, surprise. Um, but to be properly copywriting, uh, for function for that result that we're talking about, um, and to figure out whether or not you should pursue one specific niche, or if you should, uh, spend the additional effort to do some custom tagging and stuff like that and custom segmentation, um, start with your customer conversations, get to know your audience very, very intimately. And uh, we've got a customer conversation course in Fizzle. Um, yeah. The next thing would be, you know, download this 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet that, that Chase Reeves has bled and sweat into. It's amazing. It's simple. Start every little piece of, of uh, every email with this. Um, and then, yeah, take, take a peek at the course that we just did, this webinar, this uh, replay link for uh, the email welcome series. Um, part of that is this really lean uh, welcome series worksheet. And what that does is it kind of says, okay, uh, say you want a five email welcome series. What's the CTA for each one? Who are you talking to for each one? Um, it's just very lean. Um, you kind of fill that out, then copyright specifically for your users. And you've got something that you can set up tomorrow, right? Um, you spend a couple hours, you, you do these courses, you fill out these worksheets, and, uh, and you have a baseline for, for which you can start and then come back to and compare uh, when you do have time to to get more elaborate and stuff like that. So all of those links will be in the show notes. They're all free, um, uh, especially because you know the courses that I mentioned are still free if you sign up for a, a free trial of Fizzle. Um, and these worksheets are just downloadable. So um, you'll get exposed to our welcome series <laughs> if, if you download those and you can tell us how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah, that's, this is good. And and it's, so Aiden mentioned the 820 copywriting sketch sheet. Listen, all it's a very simple... Very, very simple printable worksheet that you can use for every blog post, every email, every Instagram post, every single thing that you do, okay? Now, uh, why does it work? It works just because it gets you thinking about them and not you. It basically is like a crowbar that helps you extricate yourself from the the position of the expert's dilemma, (laughs) right? It helps you get out of your own... (laughs) Never mind. Insert body part here. And, and, And into like actually what what are these people uh this actual person on the other side what is that luke skywalker what is the mission of their life and 
being in that perspective, which is what we've tried to steep you in throughout this entire show, because as entrepreneurs, all four of us, I know we're all just like white dudes, you know, hey, we're all just white dudes. And next time we'll do a little better with some, getting some diversity or whatever. But like, this is a, this is a, this is something we've all really, 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 really learned. And we've talked about it a lot in just this episode. We talk about it basically in every episode of the fizzle show. And it make and it, and it, and like the thing that Barrett started this whole thing with, the things that will make your email welcome series great are the same things that have made any form of communication great, right? There, it's not that different from the things that have that 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 like we've all the classic things we know about communication. All right, and this eighty twenty sketch sheet is going to help you do that. Barrett, anything, any closing thoughts you want to tell to someone who's like thinking about their their welcome series and we've given them like a, just a nice little splash in. Looks like we've got this course that we can, we you know, fizzlers can, you know, people, even if they're not in fizzle, they can go take this course for free and there's a bunch of action items in there. Uh, or, you know, fizzle.co slash try five gets you five weeks of fizzle for free. So fizzle.co slash try five, the link to the course will be at the... Um, at the you know show notes for this episode, but any any closing words, Barrett? Yeah, I'll try and uh, kind of sum up. If you're just getting started today with email, or you're kind of revamping your email from scratch, I'll try and kind of build a basic summary here of what I think you might do. And over time, I do just want to emphasize that like personalization might feel overwhelming today, but the point of having a basic one, a basic welcome series, is so that you can build on it over time. Iterating as an entrepreneur is one of the most important skills you can get good at. And starting with basic and moving towards something that really caters to the needs and interests of each individual is going to just make it convert that better, that much better and make it that much more interesting to each person on your list. Here's what I do if you're starting today. Uh, there's two situations. One, you don't have a bunch of content, but you're about to start promoting your email list and you're going to be producing content. So you need something to give, get people into. Two is you have a bunch of content. You've got some pillar posts. Situation one, you don't have a bunch of content. Uh, to Aiden's point, I would think about the five steps or the six steps between the problem that they found you to solve and the ultimate solution that you're going to be giving them. What are the five core steps that they take? Like one of the best things we did at Fizzle was to organize this massive library of courses in education into a path people could follow. People like steps. They like order. They like something to do first and second, third and fourth. So if you think about what are the steps that they can take? And each email is a step. That is a huge win. Now, if you have content, what would be even better is kind of the point of content and designing content for search is that you take a bunch of shots in the dark. You, th you throw a bunch of darts at the board and eventually one of them gets picked up because you've really hit on a need and that becomes one of your pillar posts. Well, ideally over time, what you'll have is a pillar post for each of those steps going from the felt pain that they have to the solution that you're going to provide them. And now what you can do is you can take those five or six emails that you've got and you can think of them as the connective tissue or the storyline connecting each of those pillar posts. And the only job of each email is to get a person to understand why that post will matter to them or why that YouTube video will matter to them and why they should go read it or watch it right now mm. or at a minimum bookmark it. And so then you get into each email's headline is the most compelling thing you can get to entice them to open that email about that topic of the post. The body of the email is a pitch or a story about why that post matters in their context, not your context, their context. And then the post is a pillar post that gives them the end-to-end how-to on this topic. 
And if that's your email welcome series, it's six emails. The first one gives them an overview of what's coming. The next five solve one of the steps on the way to the solution they want. And each one points to a pillar post. You're going to be in amazing shape. Mm. And in a matter of 30 days, you could probably have a better welcome email series and content to back it up than most people will ever have in their business. Mm. Mm. Now, what about this... um if I have a bunch of content and some pillar posts already, does that mean basically looking at what are those pillar posts and trying to organize them like, you know, in a sequence that makes the most sense and, and doing effectively the same thing, figuring out the subject line, figuring out the body, which, which tells them why this thing, why this post is going to matter in their context, not in my context. Is it the same thing when you already have pillar content? Yeah, so I think of it like a greatest hits album from your favorite artist that's mm-hmm. been around a long time. Um, when you've got a bunch of content out there, there are a bunch of greatest hits. Some of them are the ones at the top of search rankings. Some of them are just stuff that's been buried that nobody reads anymore because they can't find it in search. Like there's, you know, Fizzle's always had this post on, on getting motivated. And it's great because it gets a bunch of traffic, but a lot of people are irrelevant to the Fizzle business. Yeah. So you got to determine between those things, you know, which ones are actually valuable, but think about it as your greatest hits. So you go back through, you do a content audit and you say, okay, I think these six posts most capture the key um, kind of milestones someone has to hit along the way to this thing that I'm trying to teach them. And you pull those out and now you say, okay, how do they relate to one another? And how do I tell a story about them in the person's context? that's going to make them want to read it right now. So I would just go download, you know, go in your WordPress dashboard, your Squarespace dashboard and look at, what are all my, my pieces of content? Maybe do a quick uh, troll through Google Analytics or whatever and see what generates the most traffic on your site. And then just pull out the ones that, uh, two lists. One, what are the posts that you most love that you wish everyone would read that you've already written or, or YouTube videos you've already made? And then two, what are the ones that are ranking best in Google? If there's overlap, great. But sometimes you'll just wrap in some of uh, each of them. Because the worst thing you can do as a content creator is have a bunch of stuff out there that's amazing that everyone should read and no one ever finds it. And this is a really great way to resurface it and make it be valuable to you and your business again, as well as the person reading. Oh man, love it. Corbett, any final words here? Uh, I I think I just want to reiterate to keep things simple here. And uh, I think empathy is one of the, one of the best Mm. things that you can have. Just make sure that you're thinking about who am I writing to? What do they need? And if you want to make this super personal, uh, start out by just composing an email in your your email tool as if you're writing to someone that you know who has this problem or need or whatever. And uh, just think about like how would you address one single person mm. and that'll that'll get you closer to doing what you need to do. That's amazing. Aiden, last words? Yeah, I mean, you guys have structurally kind of hit it home. Uh, the last thing I'll mention on copywriting is back to something that we just barely touched on, but this is for them. I love writing and I get carried away about being too creative all the time. So this is not creative writing. This is functional writing. There's a result. There's a purpose. There's a call to action. Get really clear on what that is. Make sure that's in line with the way this person wants to be spoken to. You can find that stuff out via these customer conversations and write that way. Make sure your tone is following that that uh, that parallel. And um, you can throw a little personality in there, but make sure it's it's kind of 
wrapped around that that skeleton. Mm. Um, otherwise, I will always go on tangents. I will always get lost in the weeds. And I'll think it's great, and I'll be really confused as to why it's not working. Yeah. I guess that's just you. It doesn't happen to me ever. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen to anybody else, right? <laughs> uh, just loved that last bit, Barrett, this whole idea of like thinking of the five to six steps from the problem they have to like their problem being solved, right? And thinking of really your whole... One of the things I love about an email welcome series is it, it's, is it, can, it can force you into thinking about your entire business in ways that, that, uh, that a lot of other projects in, in, in indie business may not do. So I want to say thanks to Barrett. Barrett, thank you for being here, for Corbett and for Aiden, for your guys' time, for sharing all this stuff. Thanks for putting together the course on Fizzle. Again, you can go to fizzle.co slash try five right now and try that course out for free as long as or as well as all the others that are inside of Fizzle. The entire roadmap is there. It's a very, very useful tool. And that doesn't even mention the community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit, which you'll find in the forums there. Well, it's another Fizzle Show episode. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. You need anything about this show? Just go to fizzleshow.co slash 317. Bye-bye.